Welcome into the Celtics Life Podcast. The Celtics' hot start to the new year has turned frigid with an 0-3 road trip, and the Celtics are talking all over the place about the state of the team. We're back to the discussion of being worried, and with that, I'm Topher Lane here with Justin Quinn. As always, thank you for listening. We'd appreciate it if you subscribe, and if you rate us five stars or leave us a review. Let's jump right in with our first major headline of that it's been a tale of two Celtics with consistency and a consistently inconsistent Celtics team. What's going on, Justin, with just at the start to 2019 looking extremely good, looking pulled together, and now just a complete drop-off, complete other tail end of, of this kind of start to 2019? I have said more than a few times that people underestimate how important it is to be able to have someone in the room, in the locker room, who is able to balance egos on a team able to contend. And when you have a team as deep as the Boston Celtics are with talented players, someone like that is incredibly valuable. Now, we've seen a little bit of of the kind of leadership that's needed from Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris, and we've seen Kyrie take a stab at it and it not go so great, which we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. shortly. But, you know, looking back to, say, like the Doc Rivers era, you know, you don't always have to have the guy who's good at doing that sort of thing as your coach like Doc Rivers was. But, I mean, you saw what happened to the team once they went their separate ways. It just basically imploded. And from from what we heard later on, we, we heard that that was kind of what the team was always on the precipice of teetering towards. But good stewardship kept those egos in check and people doing what they're supposed to do rather than what they think they can do. So I really think that that is, is what the, the Celtics are really lacking and they need to find that person or people internally because it's not coming externally at this point in time. I don't think we can talk about more about that more later. Also, what do you think? Well, I, I actually agree with, with everything you just said there. And I want to go back to something when, uh, Big Baby Davis, I think, was the one that was linked to the – or who was it that was linked to maybe signing a 10-day? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you're thinking of Perk. You're thinking of Perk, yeah. I'm thinking of Perk. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I, I always confuse those two for no reason. But I'm thinking of Perk. And he – like something like that. And maybe this goes back to what Kyrie was saying at the beginning of the year. We need that 10, 11-year veteran or whatever the hell he was looking for there. But the Celtics need somebody to – keep this stuff behind closed doors. I was talking to Mark about it last night and we cannot keep coming out and talking and chattering and just going to the Boston press corps and saying, you know, I'm really upset about this because, you know, we need to be playing better, all this stuff. Pull a guy aside, pull a guy like Terry Rozier aside if you're Kyrie Irving and say, hey man, you're playing really selfish. We need you to do this better. Don't go to Jay King. Don't go to Adam Himmelsbeck. Don't go to these guys and say, you know, Terry really isn't, or, or the young guys just pointed straight, make it more broad so that it's not as, but these guys know that they're being called out and it's not, there's no need to do this publicly. Like uh, the best run that we've had or the second best run that we've had was after a behind closed doors player meeting where, Fair. or team meeting where, yeah, the press knew it happened. And so that was enough to hold the guys accountable, but they didn't, nothing from that came out and was leaked, or at least said, it wasn't even leaked, it was said to the press. And every other situation, it's been Kyrie, or I, I think really Kyrie's the only guy who's calling people out. He's going out, and he's talking to the press, and he's saying, this is this is what's wrong with the team. And then he tries to back, 
back it up and defend himself and say like, ah, I just love winning so much. You know, I just, I just want to win. And I know we're capable of winning a championship. But we're not there yet. It's championship or bust. I don't care. You shouldn't be saying this stuff. Not to the press. Say it to your teammates. Be the leader in the locker room. Don't put on this facade of being a leader by talking to the press. Be a leader. Take the onus on yourself and say, you know, I'm talking to the team. We're going to work on this. We need to do better. That's enough. I like that. And, you know, that reminds me of a lot of important social theory when it comes to communication, calling out versus calling in. And it's important if you want to make a change in a social dynamic, whatever the social situation is, you, 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 sometimes you want an audience, you know, if it's some, if you want to hold a specific person accountable and you've exhausted other means of, of, you know, motivation, that's a, that's a tactic that you can try. But when, once you add the audience factor, then you involve the whole world. And in doing so, sometimes you close doors. Sometimes you make it harder to make the situation resolved instead of easier and actively go against what you're trying to do. So the, the opposite of that is calling in, which is basically what you were talking about. Um, eliminating the audience. Sometimes even just one-on-one conversations with people would be much, much more effective towards accomplishing the same goal just because of the fact that the audience isn't there. Even if, even in the context of a locker room situation, if you think it's the quote-unquote young guys, well, maybe you take those guys out to lunch. Like say, hey, you, you, and you, let's go out to lunch and let's have a talk away from everyone else and then you can maybe get somewhere. So just putting that out there, uh, we, the press, when when you say things, we have to cover it. It's our responsibility, whether we like it or not. And lately, I, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of press cycle that's going on that I don't really want to cover. You know, I don't look at it as helpful. Yeah. And I don't think anybody really wants to read it. Yeah, So I agree. Just some thoughts. Is there too much drama for you? It, there is for me. I, I don't like that. Yeah. These guys are defending yeah. themselves to the press. I don't like that Jalen and, and Jason came out on Monday night and had to say, like, you know, he's not wrong. Uh, th- that they had to be asked, you know, what their response was rather than just being able to respond to him. I, I don't mind if this stuff is going on behind closed doors because then it's not overflowing. But I, I think there's too much drama. I very much do as well. And, you know, Terry piping up and saying that the team is too talented. Uh, using my, my listening skills as an anthropologist, what that says to me is I'm too talented for what they expect me to do. And I'm sorry, Terry. I believe that you are as talented as you think you are and in the right situation. You can show that. But you are not in that situation, and everything you're doing is hurting your stock. Mm-hmm. Never mind the team. So, I mean, even from a selfish perspective, yeah. he's going to have it's, to uh, learn to put on the hard hat and deal with his contract it's situation. Strange. I don't know how I feel about this too talented. Point. Yeah, it's it's basically just it's it's a not very subtle explanation to why he's been sucking, which is basically him thinking that he needs deference that is not earned. He has done great things for the Celtics, and he has been a great basketball player most of his career. But he is in a situation now where he has to learn how to fit into a team that he's on. He's not good enough, and he may not ever be good enough to force his way onto another team. Maybe he'll get there, but right now that is not his reality. And, you know, the team may be very talented, but they're not too talented. They are 
too incommunicative. They need to find a way to work out the differences. Mm-hmm. I like Terry Rozier. I do. But he's been one of the most infuriating players for me this season. And the, his kind of defensive that the team is too talented was... I, I don't know if I took that as like an individual thing. Because I, I agree, there is a ton of talent. And I, I feel like sometimes it gets into the players' heads when they're just launching threes, when they should be driving the open lane, or when, you know, there's a lot of different situations with like, no, I can do this. I can do this. I can handle this on my own. And I I think that the guys who play the best are the ones that are proving themselves. Brad Wanamaker, most notably. And otherwise, I think these guys are like, we've got the accolades. Well, not necessarily the accolades, but we've got at least the rep. You know, we have have the the standing and, and the belief that we're good among our peers and among the, the media and, and just the NBA. And I think that a lot of them are content with that. And so they're just playing the way that they want to play rather than playing as part of a team. So I don't, I don't mind the too talented belief, but using it as a defense is, is hard for me, especially when Terry himself is one of the more frustrating players in that he is just, yeah. he is just playing really, really selfishly. And maybe, maybe I'm tunnel visioning on, on his like bad shots and I'm not focusing on when he's playing well, that could be the case. Because honestly, I don't remember the last time he played well. And maybe that's because I'm right. But I just have been so frustrated with how he has been just... During the Brooklyn game, I was there, and he had one play where he kicked it to Jason Tatum, Tatum kicked it back to him, and he tried to go Kyrie with just fancy dribble moves and just stood in the same place, like doing it between the legs, behind the back, doing all this crazy fast dribbling. Congrats, you could dribble the basketball. And then he pulled a contested three as though he had lost his defender or he like made his defender dizzy with these dribble moves. And then just bricks the three. It was a horrible shot. And that, that I think, was when Brad pulled him because he didn't play a minute in the fourth quarter. And that's, lo and behold, when the Celtics went on the run, when Brad Wanamaker spurred what was something like a 20-something point comeback. And... We didn't, weren't able to pull it off because we were down too much because these guys had a miserable fourth quarter where no one was, or third quarter where no one was playing defense. And it's, it's, I just think that the team needs to lock down, play as a team, and actually focus on the fundamentals of basketball. Like, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable. Like, the talent is there. Get it. Like, it, play dirty. Play the way that you have to. Don't play the way that you want to. Don't play the talent, like, with, you know, tons of threes. Don't don't feel like you have to throw down really glamorous dunks. You have to make great dribble moves. Just get the play done. Get the bat, the ball into the bottom of the bucket. And they're not doing that, especially in the third quarter for whatever reason. So you made me think of a recent Twitter post by Ryan Barnardoni talking about Danger Carp for you guys who don't know who that is. Um, he was talking about how in that Brooklyn game, the Celtics' two roughly $30 million players who were playing combined to score less points than Brad Wanamaker, who is making the least amount of money you can pay a veteran or not a non-veteran NBA mm-hmm. player, uh, less than a million dollars. Um, do you think that there is something to be said for the physical and or mental states of those two players that we need to be worried about? Or is this something that you, you think will work itself out over time? Wanamaker and Rozier? No, no, no. Uh, Wanamaker scored 13 points and Al Horford and uh, Gordon Hayward, com- who are making almost $60 million combined, uh, ended up 
putting less points on the board combined than Brad Wanamaker? Uh, I think it was a combination of the role. I mean, uh, you can't, a lot of times, can't quantify Horford's impact. I, I, I don't like that that comparison. But, you know, I mean, there are games where guys are going to be cold. I mean, everyone was playing badly. Wanamaker is one of the few bright spots. I think he shot game. like five shots. Fair, fair. Him and Jalen, yeah, and obviously yep. Jason. But, I mean, that was basically yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is, Jason looked really bad through the first two and a half quarters. So... I, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's a fair comparison. I mean, if it were, if for long term something that was going on, yeah, I would, I'd be a little bit more concerned. But one game, and you know, Al Horford generally is extremely, uh, he's had games where he's turned the the tide single handedly, and you yeah. know, it's it, to say that that's, I mean, he's, I, I've always been on the Al Horford camp that he's worth what he's being paid. He's nearing the tail end of his contract, and so that's, you know, its own thing. No, Al Horford's not an issue. Gordon Hayward is going to have to start performing sooner than later. But for the time being, I'm still willing to give him uh, a little bit of a pass. And he's shown glimpses of, of being a star almost exclusively against the Timberwolves. But, you know, it's it's still it's still there that he's, he's playing well enough at times that I'm, I'm willing to give him a pass for now. If he were still playing how he was at the beginning of the season and, you know, was still just really struggling and... and taking bad shots and stuff i'd be a lot more concerned but it looks like he's getting closer to it so uh, yeah there was a a recent ringer article that was basically trying to suggest that al's tendonitis was a major factor kind of in the same vein as uh, bernardoni um to the celtics woes and while i think that that is a reasonable superficial like look at how many games that he's missed this season and look at you know, how the Celtics have done and kind of, time, you know, drawn a connection. But he, he, and to a certain extent, this goes for Gordon as well. Um, they're dealing with injury and or age, and it, it makes sense for them to not necessarily break the neck against a team like Brooklyn that the Celtics should be able to beat without a significant effort out of him. Um now, that doesn't necessarily mesh with, with the whole everyone does what they need to and approach the game um, like it matters all the time to be a championship team. Um, but with, with certain players and in certain situations, it kind of makes sense not to because, I mean, if you have Gordon Hayward re-injure himself this late in the season um, in some way, not that he's you know likely to, but, I mean, like there's you compensate when you're working through things, even if it's a psychological thing. Um or if you have, you know, Al Horford aggregate his knee to the point where he can't play at all, then you have an even bigger problem. So in, in very limited circumstances, I, I kind of am pushing back against that as well. Though I definitely do agree that it is a little disconcerting to see that much of your payroll not performing well on a particular night like that. It's very frustrating, and I get it. But, I mean, we, we're not necessarily paying them just for what they produce in the regular season, we're mainly, you know, you, you have high-end talent like that on your team in the first place, so you make a deep run in the playoffs, preferably to a championship as deep as possible, and and that's when you want them to be safe for, so I, I kind of see both sides yeah. of it. No, that's, that's, that's a good point. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Uh, let's kind of look at, at the, the games lately. 
and kind of break down how we've been feeling. We had a, a pretty great stretch uh, leading off 2019, and I think it culminated in the win over Indiana Pacers at home. And that's an important mark, is that it was at home. Uh, that Pacers game was an absolute blowout from really the end of the first quarter on. You could argue it was a blowout from tip on, but it was a really incredible game. Absolutely blew them out of the water. A team that's sitting in third in the East right now and playing good basketball. We then follow that up with three straight losses to Miami. A bad loss to Miami. Orlando, after leading by something like 14, and then Brooklyn with one of the worst third quarters that I've seen in a very, very long time. 44 points. Yeah, that was atrocious. All, all, all those games were atrocious and all in different ways. Um, and some mm. had bright spots in some regard. Um, but it was it was just bad. Really, really, really bad. So I, what are your thoughts on kind of the, as, as you put it at the beginning of the pod, of consistently inconsistent? That the Celtics have been well. Whether whether inconsistent is consistently on the road. Uh, they are one of six over the last seven road games and ten of thirteen for the season on the road. And to put that into perspective, if they were a West Coast team, they would be so far out of the playoffs it would be advisable for them to tank at this point. Um, that is how bad they would be. They would be somewhere around the 13th, 14th slot. Um, I haven't looked at the, the standings today, but the last time I looked, it was the 14th slot with, with the road record. Um, so that's a problem. And, you know, as some of our readers have pointed out, a lot of that has to do with having a young roster because young players tend to play better at home. And that's true, but uh, that doesn't erase the fact that we are a very bad team, even if we are a very good team. You know, I think we have like a 750-ish winning percentage at home. But, you know, we are getting our seed at the end of the season based on our home record. We're getting on our whole record. And, you know, based on how we're seeing how we're playing away, we really might want to start trying Mm -hmm. to climb the standings. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. And it's a 1-7 road record, 1-6 road record on on the road last seven games, 10-13 on the season. Have a good stretch at home, but it's yeah. No, it's I don't know if because like I said, I was I was at Barclays for the Nets game, and it was not a home game, but there were a lot of Celtics fans there, and it was quiet because the Celtics fans were really not that into it, myself included. Like it just it was a bad game, and it wasn't until the fourth quarter that it started actually getting kind of loud, and I think that fueled them a bit. So it was hardly a road game, I'd say, but. It's just bad, bad play. And again, that third quarter that has plagued the Celtics all season. Uh, you, you can point it out against the Spurs. That was probably the most notable last one. I think there was one other one that, that we lost with a just horrible third quarter. But letting, for whatever reason, coming out of the half, just the Celtics are flat. And I just don't, I don't get it. Well, some other people are starting to turn their eye to Brad Stevens and or Danny Ainge. Um, do you do you really think they should be a little bit more involved? Like I've seen people complain about 
The, the lack of timeouts being called, for example, to break up the rhythm of the opponent's offense when they are facing a big run against them. Um, the lack of tinkering with the rotations when people are, are shooting this out of games or, or just generally playing poorly on one, one end of the ball, usually defense, uh, particularly the second unit. Um, do you think that Brad and or Danny should be putting some pressure, making some moves, doing some something uh, either in-game or more generally, to address this? And, and if so, what do you think would be good? I think Brad does. And I, I point to Terry Rozier being benched for a lot of that game. Um, the 30-second timeout in the beginning of the game also, yeah. Yeah, I think Brad does. I think Ainge is going to have to do something. And I, my perspective is that Terry should be moved. Uh, he's going to be gone at some point regardless, I, I believe. And so I think he just needs to I, – I, maybe he, he should have sold higher, but I don't think any of us wanted him to sell higher. I don't think he did either. But I think um, I think that it's time that, that Terry gets moved and we bring in something else. I, I like that we picked up R.J. Hunter. We haven't seen him yet, to my knowledge, but I like that we picked up R.J. Hunter, uh, another guy who's going to be trying to prove himself. And I, I like that. But, I yeah, I think the onus should be on Ainge right now of that – He's built a great team, but it's just not working, and he's got to figure something out, whether it's with a 10-day, whether it's with a trade, I don't know, and that's for him to decide. But I saw something a couple days ago, maybe a week or so ago, that he's pretty content with what he's got, and to me, that's that's slightly alarming because um, I, I don't I don't see how you can be content with a team that's 25 and 18 and is you know, should have been top in the East. They're seven games back of first. Granted, they play the Raptors on Wednesday night, but still, you know, it's this is a team that at this point you're going to, have to start looking. You're almost a month away from the trade deadline, and I haven't heard the Celtics linked in any legitimate conversations besides that they've been eyeing Anthony Davis for as long as I can remember Anthony Davis being in the NBA. So, I, you know, I, I don't, I think right now Danny Ainge should be the one who's taking the most blame. Um, I don't know if blame is the right word, but he should be the one who's. Uh, under the target microscope. Microscope. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I mean, to a certain extent, um, there's there's a very limited amount of moves that can be made, in my opinion, where you aren't going to damage a summer pursuit of Anthony Davis because we all know that Anthony Davis now would require a move of Kyrie Irving in the package, and. That would really, in my opinion, hurt our ability to retain him long term because, you know, there goes one of the marquee pieces on the team in terms of someone he can play with that he would want to resign for. Um, so that really limits the people out there that Danny could make a move for. If he makes a move for somebody like there's been some rumbles that Mark Gasol is a potential target. And we've, we've been over this before on the pod, you and I actually, about how difficult it would be to make it make sense in terms of what we have for contracts as much as it might be interesting. Yeah. Um, and then on the other end, we have like Dennis J. Smith reportedly being shopped to the point where he may no longer be able to stay in Dallas. So that might be able to give somebody, you know, external a little bit of leverage. But he's kind of not that different from, from Terry Rozier in that he can be a little sulky. Um, he's clearly clashing with a team like he's a superstar in Dallas, uh, and he's definitely not. And as you pointed out in our conversations, uh, the last time we traded a point guard who was a little headstrong at Dallas, it didn't go very well. So I don't think that's even an option now. But I do think that 
if we do end up trading Terry Rozier, it's going to be for another point guard prospect who is kind of middle of the pack, looks to be a rotation guy with some upside to potentially be a starter for with some years. And we might have to end up throwing a, a lesser first-round pick or some seconds or something like that into the package to get some years on someone so that way we get some minutes without the expectation. Um, and... Someone should talk to Terry Rozier's agent because that guy could come from anywhere and it might be on a team he doesn't want to end up on, you know, and that can really limit his ability for the next several years of his career because he's going to be a restricted free agent, whether he likes it or not. And that team might have the cap to resign him at any cost. I don't like that players can dictate where they go as far as trades. So like the, the Drew Bledsoe's, like just saying they want out and being able to just sit down for the next three weeks until they're traded, that kind of situation, or the J.R. Smith kind of deal where they just can not play basketball and just get to decide. That that kind of bothers me. Or even Kyrie, like listing his destination of trades for the Cavs. Like if they it's if the franchise is trading you, you should be able to choose you, you shouldn't be able to choose where you get to go. If the franchise is trading you, it's their decision where you get, like, they gave you the contract that you have. They paid you the money that you have. They get to decide if they're trading you where you go. And so, I mean, Rozier has done some great stuff for us. I I like what Rozier has done for us, but. I'm on the opposite end, actually. What's up? I actually think, I, I actually think that I'm completely on the other end of it. I actually am very much for players being able to force movement. However, um, I want all players to be able to force movement, not just the ones with enough cachet to be able to kind of, you know, push back on on their contract situation. Uh, because as, as it's been pointed out by others much smarter than me, these are the people who are providing the, the labor for the entertainment itself. But the way that it's working now, and I think this kind of gets more to what you oppose to, uh, it just hijacks everything for everybody in a way that isn't fair for all the same players who can't necessarily force their way off of a bad team because 10 to 13 guys on a team have pretty much no chance of being able to move no matter what they want to do, no matter how they want to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess I don't mind as much that the players get can, can bring that up and that they can kind of force it, but do it like I, I think that's something that the agent can discuss. I don't think that and the Drew Bledsoe one I bring up because that one was the most infuriating of him like tweeting, I'm done, and then suddenly just not playing anymore. Or, you know, that that's that's less my style. Or like, you know, if like J.R. Smith, you know, you just play the game, dude. Like you you gotta like the fact that he doesn't have any trade interests, like he he needs to understand that he needs to just play the game and that he doesn't want to be bought out because he doesn't want to end his career like that or he doesn't want to be done like that is, you know, I, I don't know, man. I'm just not a fan of it. It's the end result of this system where, where the has have and the have nots don't, you know, and that's just, that's the way it is right now. But unless we start seeing teams do some more Andre, Andre Kirilenko kind of stuff where they just basically like, oh, you don't want to play? Well, uh, have a seat. And the longer you sit out, then the longer you just get to do another year with us uh, in restricted free agency. Well, let's hit on other news. Uh, All-star stuff. Kyrie is leading East guards. um, Second in the East, right? On the second returns. He's sitting behind Giannis, who's probably going to be captain. Uh, Tatum is actually pretty close. He's fourth in the front court. So he is looking pretty likely a bench spot. 
I would guess. I think Tatum's an all-star. Should be able to get him if we keep the voting up. Yeah, we should be able to get him in. The other Celtics who who scored, uh, Hayward, I think, was on there. And I think Al snuck in. Um, those guys, they're just not getting in. Focus, I mean, if you want to keep voting for him, it's not going to hurt. You get 10 votes per day from what I hear. Uh, but definitely make sure you at least keep Kyrie and Tatum going. Kyrie is not out of the question as a as a captain. And having him potentially versus LeBron would just make it that much more interesting to see who they pick because you're going to broadcast it this time. So yeah, I'm all in on that. Fun. Kyrie V. LeBron. Uh, RJ Hunter is back on a two-way contract. And Kadeem is to the Knicks on the same. Allen. Kadeem Allen. And Nader is actually doing pretty well in, in OKC as far as our like old guy, old young guys go. Um, how do you feel about RJ being back on the Celtics? I don't know exactly how to feel about it. Like, on one hand, I'm really psyched he gets another shot. I really feel like he got the bum end of the stick with the whole James Young or him. We, we know how James Young turned out. Um, so I, I, I do like the fact that he, he has another shot. Um, he's been tearing it up uh, with the Erie Bayhawks oh. in the G League. And that's that's great, but I mean, he was doing pretty good with the right clause when he was with us, so I'm not real clear on what they've seen. His numbers are better, not massively better, but they are better. So, like, in terms of expectations, keep them low. He might be able to serve uh, as an emergency kind of bailout uh, depth piece, kind of like a Brad Wanamaker light sort of a player. Uh, and I say light because Wanamaker's been pretty mm-hmm. good recently. Um don't expect R.J. Hunter to be able to play for extended periods, particularly offensively at the NBA speed, because he's 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 shown difficulty not just with us, but also when he played for Chicago. Um, I think he even picked up a quick stint with the Houston Rockets that didn't work out at all, if I remember correctly. Why did I feel like he was in New Orleans for a sec? Who who is in New Orleans? Somebody was in New Orleans. Somebody somebody one of our like guys similar to R.J. New Orleans, New Orleans was. James Young? Yeah. No, was it James, James Young? Young? Yeah, you're right. James Young, no, but like of the current roster, the current roster also, I think the guy who just let go, Walt Lemon Jr., was also uh, on some 10-day contracts for the last season. Yeah! <laughs> uh, Jason Tatum, after a career-high 34 points against the Nets, has some news and stuff. He was in Tom Brady's pump-up video that he made, which was interesting. And uh, he's rocking his brand new self-lacing Nikes. The future is here versus Toronto on Wednesday. That's pretty cool. I like that he's immersing himself in Boston, hanging out with Tom Brady. That's cool. Go Pats. And Smart has achieved his New Year's resolution, as prophesized by the Celtics Life podcast. And he's actually shooting league average from three. He's batting 354. I can't believe it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. I'm very happy, but I, I mean, like, honestly, if he keeps this up for the rest of the season, we will have basically signed mm-hmm. a bargain of a deal with him. I mean, like, he's already worth every penny that he's getting. But Marcus Smart with a league average three-pointer is like 18 to $20 million player, maybe more on an open market. It's a very, very, very useful player in terms of spacing. When you add that with his defense, I mean, like, granted, he's a very low-volume shooter to hit those rates, but by God, <laughs> let him keep shooting low numbers yeah. from deep. Yeah, no, it's Because great. it's working. Big fan of it. 
Uh, next week, we got Toronto on Wednesday or tonight. Memphis on Friday, both home games, and then Atlanta on Saturday on the road. Do you think that we continue our horrible road game stretch against the Hawks? <laughs> Fair. No. I think uh, there's only one road game, so uh, uh, that's that's not going to be too much to worry about, and it's the Hawks. Um, I'm going to say that we drop the game Boo. to Toronto tonight uh, just because I know, I know, but like I will until I see the cohesion. I'm, I'm, you know, Toronto's doing really well. They are down. Um, Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, I always have trouble with his name. Too many syllables. I'm, I'm a, a doctor <laughs> of anthropology, and uh, syllables it, are tough for us. But Aaron Baines we, we could like be back words. against Toronto. Um, that's what I was going. That's what I was leading up to. Exactly. So that could be the key to beating them. If he can have a good shooting night, particularly from from outside, uh, I think that that would be a particularly good way to to beat them up inside as well as draw their guys out outside and kind of just make them not know what the hell to do with with their big men coverage because he can do both. And it's something you know besides his massively missed defense, it could be the key to the Toronto game, but. With the momentum being what it is, until I see that happening, um, I, I think it's going to be uh, a two-in-one week, uh, and I would guess that that loss would be Toronto. So I think that we go three and zero this week. I think that the streakiness. I think the streakiness continues. I, like I think we take Toronto. Obviously, that's a hard game, and then Memphis at home on Friday is whatever. I'm not worried about them, and then Atlanta should be. I mean, they're they're not a good team. They're one of the bottom dwellers in the East. So I think that we go out and handle them. I think that there's been enough kind of finger pointing and stuff. I think the team's going to come together for at least three games as we've seen. <laughs> so I, I'm not, I'm not worried about this week. Two and a half game home stretch. If you count Atlanta as a, as a potential home game for Al, it's been a decade there. <laughs> of course we do. <laughs> All right. Well, check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com where we have a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in our store. And you can even get tickets to the next game under that heading. You can find the pod on Wushka, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and most podcatcher apps. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please rate us five stars. Even if you don't really like what you hear, but you kind of like what you hear, rate us five stars and then tell us what we can fix. You can do that uh, with any... Celtics Life article or on Twitter with a hashtag CLPOD. You're always trying to bring you the Celtics coverage you want where you like it. All right, man. Go Pats this weekend. Beat the Chiefs. Let's go. Go to Super Bowl. Let's turn this crap around. Yeah. All right, man. Have a good one. Later. Do, 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 do.